Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of the Inforium. I forgot that I'm supposed to be looking at that camera instead of that camera. This is a show about productivity, but not about which camera to look at when you're doing a podcast that most people don't even watch on video. That's true. That's I really true. botched most, that. Most intro. people don't see any of this. <laughs> we are uh, we're back to doing a remote recording today, which is why the audio may sound a little bit different. Apologies to my editor Anna in advance for having to futz with the audio settings once again, but. Uh, you know, we're not even remote because of uh, COVID. We're just remote because busy. Yeah. Well, you've got like a house to do, do house things with. Among I'm other still, things. I'm still a little bit waiting on that. But it is definitely crunching the month in terms of like plans I'm having to move up because of the move. Yeah. Like so, this whole month is going to be like that's going to be the, the changer that made this month what it is. Yeah, it's it's going to be a heck of a month. And of course, I've decided to add extra projects that I didn't have planned before on my plate uh, because Obviously. I have no chill. Well, that's good because we ironic. actually have some project check-in coming up in this episode. We do have project check-in. So yeah, I guess, you know, coming up in this episode, if there is any sort of episode summation or uh, index, I don't know what you call it, we have a project check-in for what we've been doing. Uh, we've got our main topic where we'll be talking about the concept of enough and uh, when when do you have enough? And then we have some cult member Q&A. Yeah. So, you know, a good old classic episode of the Inforium. That's how dad did it. That's how America does it. And it's worked out pretty well so far. Yeah. I think. For, for six episodes as of now. Uh, one thing that I can promise you we will not be talking about in this episode is the election, partly because as we record this on election day, you and I have no idea what's about to happen. But when everyone's listening to this, they will hopefully know already. That's, so that's true. There's yeah. just really for, for no the record, value. We, we, have no, we have no insight into what you, future listener, already know. I did. I was wondering about one thing the other day. Can you think of another website that has as long of a time period between its cyclical traffic boosts as 538? Mm. Which for, for people who don't know, 538 is Nate Silver's blog where he uh, does all sorts of like polling and statistical data on elections, but uh, um, it is basically like everyone's Is there a census page. website? <laughs> that Well, maybe... Uh, I remember filling out the census. Was it online or was it the paper this time? I don't know. There's Maybe there's a website. If so, then that okay, one's probably this, a little longer. If there's a census website, that is a decade-long traffic. Uh, but also, I doubt a it? census like, website cyclical, cyclical would be like pattern? working real hard for good Google Analytics. You know, they probably don't probably care not. that they're not getting traffic the rest of the time. Yeah, right, like right now, the 538 team is like, all right, well, how are we going to keep people coming back to the site after this is well, all they, done? Well, they do stuff for like <laughs> sports and stuff as well. But yeah, yeah, I imagine like the, they definitely the bulk get a lot of traffic, traffic comes from political. But I, I would have to imagine the if you were if you were to look at the analytics on like a decade long time period, you would see two gigantic spikes in 2016, 2020, and then everything yeah, else probably. would just completely pale in comparison. I imagine with a little baby spike for the middle years. We have a. Uh, Biannual—that means twice a year, right? I always get semi and bi uh, 
mixed up or maybe a semi. I think it's semi. Semi-annual. We have a semi-annual traffic spike pattern at uh, College Info Geek because we get a lot of traffic in August and September, and then we get a bunch more again in January. Oh, yeah, yeah. Summers are usually pretty chill. We get little bumps like near midterms, near graduation, uh, and then there's like pretty chill periods in between. But I would say our spikes aren't like massive. Um, I think my friend... Matt, who has a pool website, probably sees a much bigger spike. It's like once a year in the summer, it's huge. And then in the winter, it's not, which I've told him he needs to start targeting Australian pool keywords so he can level that a bit. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. I don't know if he's done that. Yeah. All right. Uh, What say we do project check in? Yeah, because we haven't done it properly in about a month. so last time we re- we recorded podcasts, we did two in a row, which meant that project check-in for the previous episode was not very productive. <laughs> I think uh, I had maybe one lunch hour in between those podcasts to get anything done. Yeah. And I'm not sure if I did, but uh, since then we've had a full month of things. So I'm going to let you start. What what have you gotten done in the last month? Uh, I've been working on a, a new personal website that I just completed and put out onto the internet. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I'm trying to consolidate my web presence a bit. I, it was spread out. So now everything's out on uh, just kind of a list of links to the various things I do, a bit of a, an explanation of my projects, uh, photography portfolio page. And by the time this episode comes out, probably a language resource page that I've been meaning to make for years. Because you're still working on that, right? Yeah, that's that's in progress right now, but it'll probably be done by the time this episode comes out. It's almost almost mm-hmm. there. But yeah, I've been working on a new website. I guess it's um it's at martinbay.me. And you can misspell that almost however you want. I bought several domains of my last name misspelled. So martinbay.me will probably go to the right one. I wonder if you can get any variation of martin.something. I don't know. Martin's a fairly common name. I have thomas.lol. Yeah, but I don't need to buy an LOL. What am I going to do with that? <laughs> I think I redirect thomas.lol to my... Like, I already uh, have too many domains I'm not using. I don't know if I need to go out of my way to buy a bunch more. That's true. I thought recently about, like, what is the effective monthly cost of all my domains? Because they get renewed yearly. And yeah. they're on average, what, like, 15 bucks a year. Some of them are more expensive because they're fancy on the kind, domains. Yeah. I probably spend like probably 10 bucks a month on domains. Oh, yeah. well, what are you going to do? But yeah, the the website's looking great. I am especially impressed by how you have implemented the dark mode preference. Oh, I'm, I'm really happy with the dark mode. Um, I want to get that on my website oh, soon. Also the color choices. Stuff. I was, I was real happy about the color choices because I themed. Them. Uh, oh, oh, you mean like with the names? Yeah. Yeah. That's the kind of like extra unnecessary artistic touch I like to bring to everything. I am very impressed with the new builder plugins. Because last time, like in the past, I tried builder plugins. They were like, okay. And when they started out, they were all like slow and kind of awful. Now, I mean, you you built your new website with a builder plugin. It's It's, true, and it saved me a bunch of time that I didn't need to spend coding relatively simple things. Yeah. Like, I mean, I would probably have to think about this a little harder, but there's a part of me that's like, if we were to ever redesign CIG, I might say just do it in Elementor. 
because Maybe. I did my new yeah, I'd have to think about a couple yours. of special cases first, but like you can, you, it's not like you couldn't further customize it. Yeah. Like a lot of like the hub pages we've done, you could hook into custom field plugins to do dynamic data. And like with the speed optimizations that you and I have done, I don't know about your site, but mine is, uh, is nearly as fast as CIG. I think my site, plugin. it's, it's getting very good ratings from like GT metrics or the Chrome lighthouse thing. I think it's about as fast as it can be without using a CDN or a more expensive host. And are, so you're using, so wait, using, you're not using a CDN? Nope, not at all. You're not using Cloudflare on the site at all? No, I have like 20 photos. So I didn't feel worth it. Wow. So this is interesting because on our, uh, on our personal website guide, we recommend HostGator, which I've been using for very many years. But personally, I switched to... WP Engine, um, I think it was in like 2016 because CIG was just getting too much traffic. Yeah. And I continue to recommend HostGator as like a good personal starter. There's a lot of people on the internet who think HostGator sucks. And it's working just this fine is kind me. of interesting because you built, yeah, like not only did you use this heavy builder plugin that a lot of people say you need to have a great host for, you're also getting really good page speed load times on the public end, which is, and you're not even using Cloudflare. I was sure you'd be using Cloudflare. Nope. So that's pretty cool. Uh, it's, it's actually very cool to me because it means we can update our guide with this and still recommend, like, I think what is yeah, still it's the working cheapest possible fine. option. It's like if, if you get the discount, it's what, like $2.60 a month or something when Squarespace is 18 I want to say. Yeah, it's something like that. And even Wix Premium is like 12 And I don't like Wix because they're, they're, uh, their responsive templates are not actually responsive. Like you have to build a mobile version. And then if you reload the page with the right width, it'll load that, but you can't like stretch it and have it collapse down, which that is not responsive mm, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's cool. You got a brand new personal website and it is more than one page. Um, I also yeah, have a brand new <laughs> personal website, so I can't remember exactly what, I said I had done on my last project check-in, but what I now have is a finished and launched personal website that has a homepage and about page. It has a page for my courses. Uh, but what I'm most excited for and what is definitely new since we talked about this last time is I've got uh, multiple blog pages. So I've got one for my general articles, one for my book notes, and then one specifically for Notion tutorials. And I have a templates page where I have four Notion tutorial or four Notion templates that people can download. Um, I had the two that already existed, which was the video project tracker for YouTubers and uh, video editors, and then the note-taking template. And since we last talked, I launched two more. One is called Ultimate Tasks and is a full-featured task manager for Notion that basically replicates most of what you're going to have in like Todoist, Asana, Microsoft To Do, pretty much any task management app. Um, I will say that purpose-built task management apps are still probably better in terms of workflow, but if you're somebody like me and you want to connect your tasks to other things like your video scripts or your wiki or anything like that, like doing it in Notion makes sense. And, uh, I put a ton of work into that and people have been really liking it so far. And then, so that one, that one, I'm going to call that one a smashing success. Uh, and then I had this idea. I've been playing a lot of Among Us, uh, and I know you've been playing a little bit as well. 
Yeah. And I had seen a YouTube video where somebody had a little tool where they could like drag the player names under different columns like sus or dead or innocent or almost certainly imposter. And I'm like, hey, I could build that a notion with just a Kanban table. So I did that. And then I was like, let's just go overboard with this and see what I can build. And I built this whole template where you can like put the location where you last saw somebody and it'll tell you if there's a vent and where the vent goes and like all kinds of crazy stuff like that. And I did a YouTube video on my main channel for it. And I, I was thinking to myself, okay, this is an example of like passion mashing, which we've talked about a long time ago, I think, where you kind of take like two things you're interested in and smash them together. And passion mashing can go one of two ways. Either you create something brand new that like both audiences from those two interests love, or you like create an intersection that just kind of alienates everyone. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, this is going to go one of those two ways. I am almost certain that this video will not be a middle of the road video. I think it's going to bomb hard or go viral. And unfortunately it bombed hard. Oh no. Uh, yeah. It's, it's like, I think it's been out for four days and we have like 50,000 views on it, which we were on track. It is, for it is every fairly video. niche. It is fairly niche. We were on track for every video in 2020 to have hit 100K, and this one I don't think will. <laughs> or it will, it will take a very long time to do it. So whatever. Like I am not that mad because if if I am not allowed to take risks with my channel every once in a while, then like I just feel stuck doing the same kind of thing. So I'm glad yeah. I tried it, uh, but I definitely learned a lesson from it. And it's not like a total failure. Like people have have used the template and the thing I found is the the amount of views it got was very low. But the people who were interested in it showed a lot more enthusiasm than they normally do on a video that I do. It got added to Product Hunt. It got put on Reddit. Uh, a lot more people were talking about it on Twitter than most of my videos. So it was kind of an interesting dichotomy there. It's just uh, but anyway, some solid niche stuff going on. It's very niche. It was very fun to build. So... Uh, possibly not the best um, business decision in terms of making a video on it, but who knows? I also, um, I wanted to use it to market my new channel, which is called Thomas Frank Explains. Uh, the problem is I put the marketing for my channel at like eight minutes into the video and the average view duration was very low. So I don't think most people even got to the part where I tell them I have a new ah. channel. So I think I need to retry that and do another video on my main channel that is a bit more tailored to that audience and that advertises the new channel more quickly um but i think i talked about like, i was kind of building the machinery to build a course for notion for like people who are creators and teams who want to use it to boost their productivity so i've kind of started building a machinery for that i'm building out a course area of my website on a staging uh staging version and then for the template pages they are now set up to collect email addresses. So I used to just like link out to the templates and just give them out and whatever, not know who was using them. Um, for each one, I've now built a landing page where people can either just go straight to the template or they can get the template and also sign up for a Notion Tips email list. So I'm basically getting my stuff together with this new website. That's fair. And uh, in addition to that, I like I said, I launched my channel and I've got four videos on there now. So... In terms of actual video output, I think October was one of our most productive months in a long time. It's just that not a lot of them are in the main channel. So it's interesting, like building a new a new project sort of like reignites that fire. Yeah. So yeah, that's basically my project check-in. Uh, hey, I paid my first mortgage. 
So that's yeah. Fun. See, now the interesting part about your project check-in here is that I think it wraps very neatly into the main topic because you're starting a new channel and you're going to be trying to get more followers again, more mm-hmm. more subscribers, and you've just bought a house, a symbol of financial success to many people. It's a tough thing for people in our generation to get a house. Both of these are things that you kind of want to do going forward and you have to decide when have you got enough. How many followers are you hoping to get on that new channel? And and like, is this is the house going to be, are you good then? Or do you want to keep building? Now do you want to buy a mansion after the house? You've got to pick <laughs> your own stopping points soon. Uh, Yeah, I definitely want a mansion. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want, I don't want a mansion. Yeah, you shouldn't get a mansion because um, they're haunted every time. So yeah, I have some thoughts on this whole enough question. So the, the channel is interesting. Um, in building it before I had launched, I had a model I was looking at, which I have now realized was a, a very bad model to be looking at. So my friend Sam runs a channel called Wendover Productions. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it. It's very big, has at least two and a half million subscribers. And he launched another channel a couple of years ago called Half is Interesting. And Half is Interesting, I believe, hit 100,000 subscribers before the first video even went up. Because he advertised wow. it on the main channel and it was like a mystery thing. So I was like, oh, well, I should try to do that. I should try to like get you know a ton of subscribers over to this new channel before it even launches. And I, I, I kind of didn't do that. Uh, I think I just got a little bit too busy and, um, or maybe just too excited to make content for that new channel. But I realize that his, his, uh, model was not the one I should have been pursuing. In fact, it could have kind of prematurely killed this new channel. So half as interesting is like variety content optimized for viral views. It's like interesting, almost like interesting Wikipedia facts, like the secret protocol that happens when the Queen of England dies or what's the longest drivable distance in the world without getting on a boat or a plane, like that kind of stuff. Mm. You know, the average person would click on that out of curiosity. So perfectly fine to have a ton of subscribers waiting in the wings when you launch that. I have a general productivity channel, but my second channel is a super niche like notion tutorials channel. So it's like people who want tutorials on a specific piece of software. So if I had tried to push a bunch of uh, subscribers to that channel before I launched it and they had no idea what kind of content there was going to be, a ton of them would have had no interest in it when I started launching it. And then they would be subscribed Mm, and YouTube would say, oh, your subscribers don't care about these videos. We're probably not going to show them to other people. So, um, in in regards to your original question, how many followers do I want on this channel? I don't care. Like I literally don't care how many followers. What I want is as many followers as is needed to build up a sustainable side business with the educate like the paid education stuff I'm gonna do. Paid templates, paid courses. Um in regards to that, I saw one of the co-founders of Notion tweeted with one of those like open face emojis. Ah, somebody made $300,000 selling Notion courses. So uh, I don't really have a time frame for that, but that's sort of like, okay, I'm going to give myself a goal of hitting that. Okay. Like, can I, can I make 300K selling my own product? And it's, it's not even like, I don't need that money, but I would like to prove to myself that I could successfully sell my own product and build my own business and sales pipeline 
Like I would like to prove to myself I can do that as an entrepreneur. Um, and if, if I'm successful in doing that, it would allow me to maintain my current level of income and maybe raise it up to a point where I could give you guys raises, uh, without having to rely so much on frequent uploads to my main channel for sponsor money. That's, that's kind of my overall goal. So yeah, in terms of like enough money wise, I feel I have enough now. Um, I would like to be able to maintain that current level of income while being able to put more time into each video that I do for my main channel instead of having to put out like more videos to make more money. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the content treadmill never ends. The content treadmill never ends. Uh, and I know like the, the way that I put effort into videos and maybe I could be more strategic about it, but the way that I put effort into videos doesn't, it doesn't boost the views on an individual video enough that it would make me double what I make now. So it's not like I could just realistically cut my publishing schedule in half and expect to double my sponsor rate and get the same amount of money that way, which means I either have the choice of accepting lower income or finding another way to make income. And yeah. I choose option B. What is behind door number B? Number B. <laughs> um, house-wise, this is an interesting interesting thing. The house I bought is not necessarily in the location that I like would love to be in forever. So what I consider to be is a good investment because I'm no longer paying rent. I, I'm paying into equity. Um, I'm going to learn a lot by owning a house. It's going to be cool. But I can already tell, like, I'll probably want to get something that I consider to be better at some point in the future, but I'm not in a rush. Mm. So I don't know. Like, okay. I, I guess this this puts me squarely in the camp of wanting I'm more. not completely content yeah. with what I have now. So now is not enough. Which, like, it, it, in the context of the discussion that we're probably going to have, I mean, it, it makes me feel a little bit guilty shouldn't shouldn't i have enough but i don't know where, where how do you feel about your current situation and what is enough well i don't i don't feel that my current situation is enough but but that's just because i kind of know what i think enough is and honestly i don't think that it's that crazy mm -hmm. I, enough for me would just be like uh, more financial safety for yeah. the people, people close to me uh, and obviously myself, like I'm not going to sacrifice all of my, all of my own income to the point that it doesn't end up helping in the end. But, right. uh, I want enough time to be somewhat more socially active in whatever community I end up a part of things like cool community gardens, little, you know, local community involved change. I like being a part of things and, um, having an income to bills ratio that allows me to live happily beneath my means merely mm -hmm. as a way of knowing that I'm always getting a little safer rather than the other way around, you know, cause a lot of people get stuck in a paycheck to paycheck thing, which is you're living at your means or even under it. I just want to be able to live a little, or oh, I mean over it. I want to live under my means so that it's safer every time. And then I yeah. want to have that free time more so than like a crazy ultra rich life or something. I want to have the free time 
to have like a garden and read and think a lot and take photos and go stand up paddleboarding and things like that. A slow, peaceful life, which doesn't mm-hmm. require much other than the initial safety involved in allowing me to have that free time. Yeah. If if you were to own a place, then I think that would be even more attainable. And that, like that's one thing house. I think about. Yeah, like if you were to eventually buy a house and then maybe even pay it off early. Like one thing I think about is um, like how much I'm considering financial upside versus everything else, else in decisions. So with my house, um, I ended up putting more than 20% down, but I have no intention of paying off the mortgage ex- in an accelerated fashion. Like I'm going to pay off just whatever I okay. pay out every month because- yep. You know, I could I could take any excess and I could put it into the market and likely make more than I would save by paying it off early. But for somebody with your priorities, it might actually make more sense when you can to pay off a mortgage early because then you would you would sooner own your house free and clear, uh, and yeah. maybe you would end up with a lower you know balance in your investment accounts later on than you would have otherwise by like a small margin, but you would have that like security of knowing. Yeah, like, this I, is I very much value the, the emotional value higher than like, you know, some small percentage of financial difference in the future. Yeah. And, oh, and I guess one of the things that I, that I dream of the dream is that I have like a place that I live happily and I live under my means in such a way that I can travel two or three times mm-hmm. a year. I want to have a home base from which I can go stay somewhere for a handful of weeks as if I lived there, live an alternate version of my life. Like, what would it be like if I if I lived in Kyoto? This is my Kyoto life. I'll live there for a month and, and come back to my home base. That's the dream, but it involves yeah. living beneath my means in a comfortable, happy home somewhere that isn't too expensive. Then it's easier for me to obtain that. So it's... Mm-hmm kind of just freedom and peace. So I I would definitely be the kind of person who, who wants to pay off stuff like that soon. I also like snowball debt payment more than I like stacking for similar reasons. Yep, it's it's more emotionally valuable to me and yeah. that makes me feel better. And if I feel better, I'm more motivated and then I'm more likely to do things that would make me more money. Mm-hmm. So, so in the end, I think I would actually financially benefit from that. For people who don't know those terms, uh, can you quickly explain them? Yeah, so uh, they're both they're alternate techniques for paying off all your debts. The snowball technique, I believe you... Basically, you pay off the one with the smallest balance first, mm-hmm. and then you take all of the money that you had to pay toward that balance. Let's say that was a $100 a month bill. You pay off that whole thing. Then after that, you take that $100, you put that toward the second smallest thing, and then when you're done with that one, you take all of that pay together and so on and so on. And you, you keep increasing the amount you can pay monthly until eventually they're all gone. And the alternate stacking method, I believe, is to put them in the order of highest interest rate mm-hmm. because this is mathematically slightly smarter and you will save the most money on interest that way. And you, but, and you will pay it off fastest. Yeah, but what feels better to me is seeing something yeah you'll pay off all of it fastest but like yep. it'll be longer before you get to the point that you've paid off one of them probably yeah one of them yep most likely it, now, it, i like unless, the emotional unless it, burst it aligns where your smallest interest rate 
or sorry, your yeah, highest unless interest rate unless is your it just happens one. to, but I think the general situation would be that trade off. But yeah. yeah, I like I like Snowball better because it would simplify my life to have to worry about one fewer bill, and I like the simplicity. Mm-hmm. That would feel good, and then seeing that it was gone would motivate me, and I'd probably work yeah. better as a result. Now I I respect that. Um, Anna is like that. My mom is like that. A lot of people are like that. They want to see more loans getting paid off sooner and they, they're willing to pay a little bit extra and take a little bit longer to pay off their debt. Well, I just, entirely. I just think the total interest for the debts I have, like the difference isn't going to be significant enough yeah. for me to care over the course of like 30 years. Yeah. So th- this is my like hard line piece of financial advice when it comes to snowball versus stack if you have credit card debt that is accruing at like 22 percent interest like pay that off well first now try that to, one try to uh consolidate it and that uh, is a refinance it to point. like a personal loan but you know say you're like i've got a five thousand dollar loan at three percent interest but i've got ten thousand dollars in 22 percent interest credit card debt like you need to kill the credit card debt now, first. now that that is a very <laughs> very good caveat i don't have that kind of credit card debt so all of my percentages yeah. are roughly between you know like three six seven they're they're all like yeah. it's not a significant difference mm-hmm. but yeah if i had horrible mm-hmm. ever mounting credit card debt then certainly that would be the first one followed by the snowball in my case mm-hmm. I would definitely get that done first. The way I did it, uh, and people might know this, I'm like a advocate of the stack method. I care nothing for the emotional win of paying off a specific loan. I want to pay the least amount possible. So I will pay off the highest interest possible first. Um, the way that I sort of dealt with this emotionally is I just created a spreadsheet that had all my loans and then it it created a total debt number and I put a graph in, in Google sheets that would just show that line going down of my total debt over time. So every time I make a payment on one of those loans, the line itself would go down and it was just, that was like enough motivation to see all my debt going down over time. That but could that's definitely not enough work. For everyone. Well, some people might look at a chart like that, realize how overwhelmingly long it is and then mm-hmm. just feel worse. And if you spiral into depression, you probably won't be that productive financially. So it could backfire. Exactly. Yeah. If th- that's something that a lot of like a lot of the number people like me don't quite understand. It's like the numbers do have an emotional effect that differs from person to person. And if numbers like debt or income or whatever it is are affecting your emotional state. They're probably affecting your ability to work productively, which probably affects your earning potential, not to mention yeah, your happiness, and, which is a really uh, hard they, to measure effect. Yeah. And like personally, I if, if this mattered to me, I would rather be happily in debt for 30 years than miserably in debt for 15. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's basically um, how I feel. That's it's a pretty good, pretty good sum mm-hmm. up is like, even though it would be slightly smarter. Except for the credit card situation you mentioned, in which case it would be very much smarter to get that one out of the way first. Yeah, when the interest rate is high enough, like that should be your number one priority because it it can get so high that like number one you're just you're just throwing away money if you're not paying it down, and it can be so high that it just can stick around forever because it'll accumulate faster than you can pay it off. Like if you've yeah. got twenty five percent interest or twenty two percent interest on a ten thousand dollar balance and you're paying the minimum twenty five dollar payment a month, like you will never pay that off. You're just yeah, that's that that's the trick. Math is real fun, isn't it? 
<laughs> math is fun uh we're gonna do a credit card episode on my channel at some point that's probably a really good idea because oh, like also do... if you have anything with like a variable interest things that aren't obvious and predictable all of my debt yeah uh, is very reasonably low interest and you know like fixed mm-hmm. no- nothing crazy is gonna happen no i have Lest learned anybody that i think i'm horribly irresponsible i am okay with some debt uh in fact I, to me i view debt as a tool when used responsibly uh, and when the debt does not create a difficult financial situation on a month to month payoff basis, like if if there is debt that I can pay off each month without like even thinking about it in terms of stress and that offers me something, I'll often take it. So like the house I just bought, I only put 20 percent down because I wanted to avoid PMI and I wanted to get the lowest interest rate possible. And um it wasn't the interest rate didn't even hinge on it being 20% down. It hinged on it being under a specific price limit where like the federal government will back the loan. So I had to put a little more than 20% down to get it under that price limit essentially. And that let me get a really good rate. Uh, and the only reason I like kind of went for it is I had not yet and still have not yet finished building a calculator to figure out if the PMI is worth paying or not. Cause there is like a mathematical equation you can, you can build to figure out is PMI worth paying or not if you are taking money out of your investments to pay your down payment. And now there's like, there's more equations to do because I just learned that Wealthfront will let you borrow money using your investment balances as collateral, which is really interesting because I had to take money out of my investments and my investments were making like, I think on average or over the lifetime currently, it was like 12% return in my Vanguard account. I had to take a bunch of money out of that to pay my down payment. I don't know, but it may have actually been smarter if I had been able to borrow against my investment balance at two and a half percent to pay my down payment and then pay that off over time. There's math I got to do there. It's very interesting. But yeah, uh, at, at, the it's way at I, this point where I'm like, <laughs> if this is too much math and I just want to be happy and the numbers can go away now. See, I, I, have I a love the numbers of math. I love the numbers. Not that I, I hate math, into this but I have stuff. a limit of stressful finance math. Yeah. And I, I just love the stressful finance math. I love getting into it. Um, but the, the general point is if I can keep my war chest and get something I need with really cheap debt, then I'll do it. And this is like, this is something that I think business owners think about more naturally than people who are salaried employees or who are making money hourly uh number one as a business owner like i know there's all these threats and i guess like if if you've ever lost a job you would understand this too but from a business perspective um paying like half a million dollars for a house is not as smart as letting the bank pay for 80 percent of that because if i if i fall on tough times and i have parted with half a million dollars then the probability that I'm going to have to lay people off is much higher or maybe even like my business goes under. But if the bank is taking care of that, then like the worst thing that can happen is, yeah, maybe they repossess my house, but I don't lose my business and my team doesn't go hungry. Yeah. So like yeah, that, you don't that's how I think all about of it. your liquid ability to. Yeah. I'm paying more dollars in total because I'm, I'm taking on debt and there's interest. But what I'm doing is, I am paying 
like the bank for the service of allowing me to keep my war chest and my optionality and my ability to take a punch if something goes wrong. And like, if that, if the cost of that service is not too high, I'll take it every time. But again, that's like, that's an emotional, it's like an emotional difference thing because some people that would eat away at them all day long. And if that's the case, it's the wrong decision. Just like, and this is a spectrum thing. It's not even a binary thing. That's where I'm comfortable. Where I'm not comfortable is in making like high stakes trades. You know, there's people out there who are like totally comfortable, like betting the farm on Apple or like an IPO or something like that. And like, okay, if you're going to do that, that's, that's your level of risk tolerance. My level of risk tolerance is not there, but it is like, it is at a certain point where I'm okay with certain debt. Yeah. And I almost see it as a way of like hedging risk in a certain ways. So it's the same reason I finance cars. Like a lot of people be like, oh, you can't afford that car. It's like, well, I could afford it, but I want this car and I could either part with that amount of money. So my, my stinger was, I think, 54,000. I could have parted with $54,000, which would have reduced my war chest. And also it would have been a lot of money out of investments that could have been making like 12% right now, average 7%. Uh, or I can take on debt at two and a half percent. Yeah. And at that point, mathematically, it makes sense to, Mm -hmm. to take the debt. Yep. Now I, I typically, you know, with, with the exception of the house, I'm not going to finance things that I can't afford. Um, a house makes sense because you know, you're, you're buying an asset that is going to appreciate in value. Um, what I will never do is finance a consumer purchase that will depreciate that I couldn't buy myself if I wanted to. Yeah, I think. But yeah, it's interesting to like hear about like your emotional state in terms of like how you, what would make you happy and your dream. I've been thinking about this, like what, what is a dream for me? And mine's quite different. And I think it's also quite uh, vague compared to yours. I simply want a life where I have the freedom to pursue things that interest me. And I want to be perpetually interested and fired up about something that lets me build things and learn things like that is, it it seems very vague, but it adequately describes what has made me very happy over the course of my entire life. So Uh, enough to you is just always having that. Always having that. Yep. Um, and you know, sometimes that may mean like I'm interested in something where I, that, that costs a lot of money or I need to invest a lot of time. Like it, it's going to change, but that, that's just kind of who I am. Uh, and it's, it was interesting. I was having a conversation with a couple of friends a couple of months ago. And at that time I was feeling a bit burned out, a bit overwhelmed again. And this is like a recurring story over the couple last couple of years. And they asked me like, what are your long-term goals? What do you see yourself doing in five years? And I couldn't answer, which it felt so weird to me because I have my impossible list with all these goals on it. And I want to do all those things, but there wasn't a single one that was like sticking out as like, Hey, Hey, I really want, really want to do that right now. It was all things that I knew I had put on the list, but I wasn't feeling excited about any one of them. And I was feeling this stress because like my thought process at the time where, well, I had this dream of becoming a YouTuber and I did that. And like, it's stressing me out right now. So therefore, if I became like a musician, that well, that would just stress me out. If I became this or that or whatever, that would just stress me out. And it's been interesting to see how my mindset, my mindset has shifted as I've gotten interested in building out this course for Notion people, for building out my new personal website, 
it's another project, but because the interest is there and the passion is there, that idea that it's just going to be this like stressful burden in the future, it's not there. I just feel the excitement to build this new thing. So that tells me, oh, well, well, this is very different than what I was building in the past, but I'm still excited to do it. And I felt that same excitement for building my, like my budget spreadsheet or learning camera operating techniques or like learning how to lay ethernet cable in my house. Like when I get to learn and build things, I am satisfied and happy. And so it, it sounds like doesn't... maybe you already basically have enough other than the desire to remove constant video creation as uh, something that you have to do. Since yeah. it would take the time away from all of those things that you're actively interested in. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it is. And maybe there's some combination of things I can do to keep the channel sustainable while allowing myself to do that. But yeah, I, I need the ability to learn and grow always. That's just who I am and take the occasional vacation. But yeah, I mean, that, it's weird. Cause like some convenient, I know a lot of people be like, if I had like, you know, just, just like a farmhouse in the country that I own and I could just like have some chickens, like I'd have enough. And I'm like, I wouldn't, that, that might be cool for like a year, but then I would get something else in my head that I'd be interested in doing. So yeah, that's fair. I don't know. It's like a, it's like a weird combination of never enough, but I understand what the enough is. It's just like at a meta level or something. I mean, that's a more sustainable, not enough than if you were just like, I need to have a Scrooge McDuck mansion with a a giant vat of gold coins that I I can swim in, even if it's very painful to do so. Yeah. I've seen the family guy parody. That's what actually would happen. Yeah. Just fall and break. The the desire to just constantly be interested in stuff is a pretty reasonable enough to be chasing because really at any given time you might already have it. You just don't want to lose it. Yes. So it, yeah, it's weird. Like in a way I do have enough. It's just that like my enough requires constant progression. Yeah. But it's not and, like, um, a weird extrinsic progression that it is outside of your interest. It's purely. Yeah. Based on what you want. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't have long-term future goals of like excess material wealth over what I have now. But at the same time, I'm not the kind of person who's like, I have enough now and will always have enough. Like what I have now is enough. Cause I know like I, I will probably pick up an interest in the future that will require, you know, buying something. So like it, it, when I was younger, I didn't really need a garage. And now I'm like, well, you know, I kind of like riding my motorcycle, but I also have a car. So I kind of need a garage and that's like yeah. fine. So I don't know. It's weird. And one thing that I try to keep in mind with this, because I realize like I'm a very excitable person is it is my interest in acquiring new knowledge, more money, more things like, is it genuinely something that I am driven to do out of a desire that is meaningful to me? Or is it, I'm like chasing what somebody else has out of like, hidden jealousy. I I recognize this in myself. I don't know if you feel the same thing, but because I'm so interested in so many things, I also follow a lot of people who are very good at those things. And 
as much as I try not to, I will like un, un, uh, unconsciously compare myself to them and then feel like, oh, well, I need to work harder over here or I need to do this to get that. Yeah, I do that a <laughs> and, lot. Okay, so yeah, I'm not alone. I would imagine that you know, if, if, we, if we both do it, then the audience probably a lot of them do it as well. Well, I get, I get the urges. I just, I, I, they last for like a day or two until I'm like, wait, I'm being randomly pulled in the random direction by somebody that does something cool right now. Let me, con- yeah. let me stop. Let me consider that first. Yep. <laughs> I'll have to tell myself like, well, that's what they do. And I don't just do that. I do other things too. So like, it would be very unrealistic for me to think I could do the same thing while also juggling all these other things because naturally the other things I'm juggling, they're not going to just be like little side projects. I'm going to feel that I need to be at the pinnacle with each one of them. And it's just very unrealistic. So that's probably my biggest struggle with like the concept of having enough is making sure that I'm not chasing things that are just, there because i am looking at somebody else and comparing myself to them that's probably the biggest thing that i've had to i've been working on it a lot this year because obviously we've had a lot of time to think you know Mm -hmm. insert thousandth comment anyone's made about the pandemic but i've spent a lot of time thinking and like i've had to start trying to pinpoint which things i really do want to pursue more effortly and Mm -hmm. which ones i would like to not push so much because the enough for me involves that time to be slow, to go for a walk, to to have a garden, to go spend time taking photos. And unfortunately, yeah. I like like 92 things. And that means mm-hmm. that I have to accept that I can't keep them all firing on all cylinders at all time. I have to let things go somewhat. In order yeah. to have enough time, I have to reduce what I consider to be enough skill sets and that's that's been very difficult because I just have to accept that there's a limit to what I can mm-hmm. maintain. Otherwise, I have to have no free time and I will never have the time where I can go on walks and chill by the water and do all this calm stuff because I'm yeah. too busy juggling like 92 languages and pixel art and photography and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing that I have to think about a lot is when I'm when I'm considering getting into something, what is it going to take away from my current life? And yeah. like most often it's, it's going to take away time, which is something that I want. Like I want the ability to just wake up some mornings and like, Oh, I'm going to read a book. And it, like, that's one thing that I kind of don't have right now. And I realized I haven't, like, I haven't read like at all this year for the same reason. <laughs> I've read a bit this year, but the past uh, month especially has been just a whirlwind of getting my new site built, my new channel launched, get videos out on both channels. And I realized like life is a ebbing and flowing cycle. And I'm just in a very particularly busy cycle right now. But I have to be careful not to say, okay, well, like this level of output is what has to be the norm always because it is representative of the peak of a cycle and there there needs to be a corresponding valley at some point to allow for rest and recuperation so that that's something to keep in mind as well how do i keep the time as well when when i when i get excited about something it tends to be something that would afford me 
more money, more optionality in terms of opportunities. Uh, but additional free time is usually a pretty back burner consideration. Even though like when I really think about it, it's probably the one that I would want the most. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really hard at- to come to that conclusion, but it, then accept it like emotionally. Mm-hmm. You might, you might logically say it, but you have to feel it and then do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess to put a little bow on this conversation so we can get into some of them cult member questions and then I can go get some writing done is when you're thinking about what enough means, um, think about what it means to you and not necessarily just what it means to somebody else, because clearly like our definitions of enough are very different. They're very personalized. They're very personalized. Yours seems more concrete and, and simple in terms of like you can picture what that well, looks I like i want to be head. you know thanos when he's he's just sitting on like his farm that's it i just want to be like thanos happy thanos you want to sit on your farm with the knowledge that you have just wiped out half of the universe well i might be able to snap away that knowledge in that particular situation so <laughs> i could just um so that'd be cool but yeah just some something chill like that <laughs> Um, I've seen some things that I don't want to remember. And now I don't have to with this forgetting Ray. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's, it's like simple for you. Y- you know, you want to be able to travel, have free time, do slow activities, things like that. For me, it's, it's more fuzzy, but like philosophically, the idea is quite simple. Just have the freedom to keep building and learning things not get stuck in the same rut forever. And I may in fact have a more philosophically fuzzy one after I hit that first goal. You know, Mm -hmm. I may after that be like, cool, I've enjoyed these peaceful things for a while. It's time to do something different. I just don't know that yet because I haven't, haven't hit it. The only kind of enough measurements that I would be really, really suspicious of if I were anyone would be any enough measurements that come with a number. If that number is not meeting your basic, safety and whatever needs like you know like, like a, a lot of oh ones i just need a million with, dollars yeah like oh i just need a million dollars past a certain point money numbers become you should really question whether that's a real thing or whether yeah. you want like three cars or a giant house or 18 million youtube subscribers this a lot of the stuff that comes with numbers is being clearly driven extrinsically because the intrinsic joy of doing something isn't that affected by what how many times you've done it thus far? Yeah. So it's yeah. The, the I number would be suspicious just, of number-based enough goals. Yeah, I used to have more number-based goals than I do now. Now, like I have a few of my impossible lists that are just fun to track. Like it's fun to see. I've got like hit five million subscribers on there, but I don't really care when I hit it. I, I literally have it there just because right now. no, I, I would literally have it there because I would be interested to see how long it took between like 1 million, 2 yeah. million, 5 million. Like it's just, it's just interesting to see those well, and that, that's but interesting. I don't care about like, and I've, I've learned and I, I think the biggest one was hitting a million subscribers. I hit it. I took a picture of my screen, posted it on Instagram. I was like, woot, I got it. And then, you know, five minutes later, I'm like, Oh, well, that dopamine rush is gone, and now the next milestone, I guess, is 10 million because of the way that human yeah. brains perceive number increases. We don't perceive them linearly. We perceive them logarithmically or exponentially or something like that. Like, you know, 
like one lion is half as threatening as two lions, but like 67 lions and 66 lions, like the same thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, So maybe, maybe it's based on survival mechanism. Like, you know, you get six, seven lions coming towards you. That's 66, 67. It's fine. It's the same thing. You're going to die either way. I I guess a really relatable numerical one, maybe that, that would be an example of what to watch out for would be like the kind of person who says, I want to read a hundred books this year, then I'll be happy. But now maybe (laughs) reading a hundred books could make you happy, but it won't be the fact that you've read a hundred. It would be, do you enjoy reading when you're in the middle of reading the book more so than do you enjoy that your Goodreads shows that you have read this many? Like, yeah, which a lot of the numbers can make you not enjoy the moment. That, that's that been sort of my position on Goodreads forever. Like Goodreads should not be considered to be your trophy case. Yeah, I removed my because, to be read list a long time ago because it was stressing me out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I used to do that. Oh, I'm going to read 30 books this year. And then I just be in the middle of reading when like, am I behind on my progress? Am I going to hit 30? I'm like not enjoying the book. Or I would be incentivized to gloss over something that i could probably read again or mull over or think about deeply because oh well i need to read one chapter a day yeah or skip out only on got a really big minutes. books because why would you read the da vinci biography that's worth like six books worth of reading yep you should just read six smaller ones like it's yep. it's fine to maybe reading 100 books you will be happy but probably only if you enjoyed reading each of those 100 books mm-hmm. yeah so i i, I think like it the goal there is just read. Yeah. Read like more. just be careful about attaching numbers unless they're kind of loose directional mm-hmm. numbers rather than you think they'll actually make be, a difference. It could be worth using a number to get yourself in the habit of reading, like read 20 pages yeah. a day or half yeah. an hour a day or something like that. Just, just to get yourself in the habit of doing it. But I think once you're in the habit, those numbers are uh, sort of meaningless at that point. It's, it's one of those like what got you here will not get you there things. You know, like you, you take the training wheels off the bike eventually. Nobody in the Tour de France has got the training wheels on the bike. Though that would be very funny if like they should the allow top someone cyclist in the world is just on one of those tiny child bikes with training wheels and the tassels still going down the mountains of France at like 70 miles an hour, but just on that. Oh, hey there. So apologies in advance, but uh, as of this part in the recording, Martin's microphone decided to, for some reason, disconnect because computers are unreliable, of course. So we're switching over to his camera audio, which isn't quite as good, but it's still quite listenable. I would watch that. Yeah. Sounds horribly dangerous, though. <laughs> can, we, can we have a pro cycling circuit where like, it, it's pro cyclists, but they have to ride children's bikes I think they've, they've, got streamers. To, they've got to find a way to like balance that better so that they're less likely to just flip over because of the tiny bikes. Uh, they just need to get good. I mean, probably. that's it. Just, just get good. <laughs> um, Oh, I, I forgot to, or I don't want to forget to say this. So when talking about like the number thing, I had a number at one point in my life that uh, I kind of no longer believe in but I want to comment on it for a little bit. So when I was 23, I set this goal of hitting, I think it was $900,000 in 2013 or 2014 dollars. Was it like inflation. one of those kind of fire kind of things? Yeah. Um, so yeah, when, I think it was 2014. I wanted to save up $900,000 basically to do the whole Mr. Money mustache thing, which is like save up enough money where you can do the 4% rule. And the 4% rule is... 
if we assume the stock market makes 7% on average, and then we'd be really conservative and say, okay, maybe 5%, then you could take 4% of your investment portfolio every year and still it would, it would last forever. So like if I saved up $900,000, I, I think 4% of that is 36,000 a year. And, you know, if I took out 36,000 a year, but it was making at least 5%, then it would, it would last forever at that amount of money or maybe even grow slightly. Um, a lot of the people in like the fire community and the financial independence, retire early people, they live by this whole goal of like get enough money saved up that I can do the 4% rule and retire early. Um, there's a great YouTube video, which we can possibly link to in the show notes where a guy is basically like debunking it. But I, I think 2020 has shown how uh, the 4% rule can really fall apart. If the market stays good forever, then it's fine. But when, when we look at the market and we say, oh, it makes 7% on average, that is a long-term view on average. And, and your, your money would make 7% if you just kept it there and never touched it. But if you're taking 4%, and so let's say you're taking 4% every year, but you're withdrawing it monthly, like it's, so it's your income. Well, then if the stock market has a huge crash, like it did in March of this year, you're not taking out 4%. If you're making a withdrawal at that point, like you're eating into so much more in terms of gains. So if you're going to live on the 4% rule, if the stock market has a huge crash, you had better be able to take out, like let's just say your portfolio loses 50% of its value overnight and you need to take money out the next day for your living expenses. You better be able to take half of that and live off that. Otherwise you're taking out a ton more and it, it mm, might, yeah. you know, eventually run out. So, uh, the whole like idea of living off the 4% rule and retiring early and just being able to live off that forever, it may be flawed. So maybe we got to say it's like, that's a 2% rule or something like that. But that, that is an example of a number that I used to be looking at. Like I'm going to hit this much money in my investment accounts and then I can just retire early and do whatever I want. Uh, number one, I think like that is quite naive. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's no, coincidence that the fire movement got so popular in the 2010s because for basically all the 2010s the stock market was just a rocket ship and i mean still like it's made an improbable and inexplainable recovery this year but uh this year we we finally did see that huge crash due to the the covid pandemic so like that's something to keep in mind if you're trying to do the whole fire thing um but in general like you know like aiming yourself at a big number is not necessarily going to make you happy. Uh, anywho, is there anything else you want to say on this or shall we get into cult member questions? No, I think that's, I think that's enough. All righty. <laughs> uh, okay. So cult member questions. Number one, if you had to be employed by somebody else, what company would you work for? This is a good way of seeing what could also be enough. <laughs> Did you think about this? I'm just reading this for the first time and I'm like, oh man. Uh, you know, I didn't actually prepare an answer. I would probably want to work. I don't know if I could get hired for this, but I would want to do photography professionally. If I could do that, I'd want to be hired by somebody like Tofugu or Duolingo or some, some language related probably. Mm. This is a good question. There's like, like there's companies I like, but I, can't think of many 
is it a cop-out answer to say standard? Because like I kind oh, it's of a little, own, it's like a little bit. I own part it's, it's of standard. It's a little bit of one because that's not a significant life change. If I suddenly am a that's full-time true. photographer or I'm working with a language company, that's way different than what I'm doing now. That that's true. That is way different. I mean, I have I have something that I'm doing right now that I'm very interested in, but it's like it's building my own thing. I just can't think of one. I can't think of a company where I'd be like, oh, it'd be cool to go work for them. So I guess I have to rephrase the question as, oh, you have to go work for somebody else. Yeah. You have oh, to switch careers, pivot. What are you doing? Well, I kind of addressed this in my recent video, the one called uh, how to figure out what to do with your life, where I kind of said like the company you work for or the specific job role doesn't matter that much. What matters is the qualities of the work that that you get to have, which include things yeah. like, um, are you building or maintaining things? Are you, do you have creative autonomy or do you have a lot of direction? Some people want the direction. Some people want to just be like loosed on the world to do, you know, whatever. Um, do you get credit for your work or are you kind of behind the scenes? And how does it affect your work-life balance? So, you know, obviously like I have a big interest in Notion. So it, it would seem obvious that I would answer Notion, but I'm pretty sure they only accept people who will come work in San Francisco at the office. And like, I would mm. not be willing to move there. So that kind of like writes them out. I think I would need to work number one for a small company where I could be part of a, a small focused team and feel like my role was substantial in the building of that company. Um, and uh, something where I could learn and build something new. And I, I literally don't know. I think I would just, I would let opportunities come my way and jump at one that was exciting. But there's, there's nothing right now where I'm like, oh, it would be that company right there. I'm not sure. Um, though, if people want a sort of more satisfying answer, what would be interesting to do as a small gig, like a temporary one, my friend Steve Cam, who runs Nerd Fitness, uh, when he was younger, worked on a company that puts on floating music festivals. So they're like music festivals on cruise ships. That's and cool. I think it would be it would be really interesting to be part of that for a little while. Like just just get the experience of working with bands, uh, dealing with logistics. Like it, it sounds interesting to me. All right, so, that's an interesting answer. That's that's my answer for now. But yeah. I don't, it's not like, Oh, I'd go work for Tesla. Like, no, I don't think I would, you know, Tesla's cool. I wouldn't want to work for them. I got all kinds of companies that I admire, but I don't think I'd want to work for them. Yeah. I just love doing my own thing, building my own stuff. Um, and yeah, I guess like the, the realist answer is if I, for some reason, couldn't do my company anymore, I would find something to do at standard. And I kind of know what I would do at standard because I'm a process optimization guy. So I would do that. Uh, all right. Second question. What podcasts have you been listening to? I, and you chose to put this question here, which makes me think that you have been listening to a podcast. But as far as I'm aware, you don't typically listen to podcasts. I've been catching up on on some old Anthropocene reviewed episodes. Oh, okay. That's pretty much Remind it. me again of what that show is. Uh, it's where uh, John Green basically reviews a couple things from the human era of of Earth and then rates them on That's a scale right. from it's like, one to five or something to that extent. 
it's so kind of like episode, earthling cinema okay. it, he was reviewing like canada geese and i don't remember if it was the same one but he was they, he reviewed kentucky bluegrass like the grass in lawns yeah. and diet dr pepper just all sorts of but they're really the way he reviews them it like it feels so deep to be okay. learning so much about how it important maybe diet dr pepper bit, is to humanity it sounds a little bit like 99 percent invisible I don't know what that not is sure because it's, sound, it's too invisible for me. 99% Invisible is a show about it, kind of the same thing where they just do a detailed uh, sort of journalistic cover on things you would never consider. Like how in New York City, there's these tunnels underneath the city that were used for like herding cows. So I was like, I thought you said hurting with a T. Not like, hurting. Well, this you know, is the, like probably this eventually is the cow, hurting them. The let's cow be pain tunnel. <laughs> the cow tunnel of pain. Uh, no, it's like hurting. And they, you know, crisscross the city. And uh, a lot of times they're been boarded up, but some of them are accessible via subway tunnels. It's interesting. Like it's, it's a very interesting podcast. I have not been listening to that one. Um, the one I've been listening to very consistently is called Business Wars. It's a really well-produced show on the Wondering Network, and it'll just be like a whole series of episodes telling the story of like two big businesses that are kind of competing. So I listened to a whole series on like Dunkin' Donuts versus Starbucks. There was one on Nintendo versus Sony. There's one on like uh, Snapchat versus Facebook. And then sometimes they'll do more broad categories. So the series I'm listening to right now is like dating app wars. It's not any two specific dating apps because the the scene has sort of changed over time. There's so many players, but it's just very interesting to learn the history behind all this. It's a very Tom answer. So I'm glad that it we're both on brand answer. as a general rule. <laughs> and yeah, I haven't been listening to anything else. So part of the reason is um, Listen Money Matters and Money Lab are on, uh, they've been on a very long hiatus and I don't know if they're coming back. I religiously listen to every Money Lab episode, at least the ones that are Andrew and Matt but they haven't podcasted in a while. So just been business wars. And then um, every single night I listen to a book called ghost in the wires. When I go to sleep, I just pick a random chapter. I've listened to the book so many times. So I just pick a random chapter. Uh, at least, you know, this has been the last like six months. I will kind of like sift between probably five or six books that I'll come back to. So these are uh ghost in the wires the Martian. Um, what are the other ones? There's one called black edge. There's one called American Kingpin. I think it's actually those four. There may be one of that. I can't think of, but yeah, those four, I've listened to them all probably a dozen times over and I'll just pick a random chapter from one of them and fall asleep to it. Honestly, that sounds like a really good use of audiobook to me. Yeah. The yeah, perfect it's, situation it's where it doesn't sleep. matter if I missed a few words. Doesn't matter at all. Yep. And it's, I don't listen to new books that way. I used to, uh, I can't when I was younger, I would, to do I would, it that way. Yeah. I would try to like listen to part of Harry Potter while falling asleep or something. And it just like, it, it kind of works, but the problem is there is no option in the audible app to say, set the sleep timer to turn off right when I stop paying attention. It's like yeah. you have to choose a number of minutes and I don't know how long it takes me to fall asleep. I could make it 15 minutes, but then it might end before I fall asleep and I'm like, oh, and then I'll choose like an hour 
and it'll get just way ahead of where I stop paying attention. So yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't do it for that situation. Yeah, I just got to do books that uh, that I've listened to a million times. So yeah, that that's our answers to those questions, I suppose. So I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Inforium. Um, the next time you listen to this podcast, I think we're still going to be recording from here, but I believe I will be moved into my new place. Nice. At least with my personal belongings. I'm doing like a double Fancy move. times are coming. Just fancy times are coming. Stressful times are coming. That's just how it be. Yeah, they were the fanciest so, of times. They were the most stressful yeah. of times. As always, thank you so much for hanging out with us, listening to this podcast. If you enjoy it, there is a rating and review system over on Apple Podcasts. So if you're one of the people who listens to that, or listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, and you haven't done that yet, you can support this show by giving us a rating and review or just by sharing it with uh, anybody who hasn't listened to it yet, maybe a friend. Send them your favorite episode. I just remembered that the camera that's filming me is this one, so I should probably look at this one instead of this one. <laughs> I keep looking to the webcam. Uh, and beyond that, I mentioned my new channel. So if you want to check that out, it's got all sorts of notion tutorials uh, and one, there's a really big one recently that I put out on how to build a task manager from scratch in notion. So if you want to learn how my entire ultimate tasks template works from scratch, that is going to be for you. The whole thing is over at thomasjfrank.com slash explains, or you can grab my templates at thomasjfrank.com slash notion. I think that's about it for calls to action and such. I guess if you haven't subscribed, we're on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google Podcasts, I think is still a thing. Google Music is done because YouTube Music is a thing now, but I'm pretty sure Google Podcasts is still a thing like that. Yes. So all those things and the stuff. Otherwise, go over to theinforium.com and you'll find all the ways in which to subscribe and you'll also find the show notes for this episode. And the URL is going to be what? Theinforium.com slash seven? Yeah. Right? That should be it. All right, so that's going to be it. Thanks as always again for hanging out with us and we will see you in the next episode. Thank you.